Jen Cooper, the keeper here, ready for the next episode of the Mixed Zone Women's Soccer Podcast. This is episode number 272. With that number, we give a shout out to the crowd at Soldier Field back in July 2016. It was 19,272 fans who saw U.S. goalkeeper Hope Solo earn her 100th international shutout in the 1-0 victory over South Africa. That was right before uh, the 2016 Olympics in Brazil. That clean sheet got a lot of coverage as a, quote, record-breaking shutout, but let's be real, there's no other goalkeeper who has come anywhere close to earning 100 international shutouts. And hey, shout out to, to Ms. Solo. She announced that she and her husband are expecting twins, a boy and a girl. So I got to make the cliche joke that, you know, 20 or so years from now, we might see some, some uh, Solos and Stevens, you know, as the starting keeper for the men and women's national team. Anyhow, one long chat today with my pal Dan LaLetta from Equalizer Soccer to wrap up the year in women's soccer. We mainly talk and rant, of course, about the two competing narratives of women's soccer. Basically, everything's great and nothing's right. We also talked about the lack of news coming from the league, but of course, while we were discussing that, and shortly after we recorded the podcast, we finally got some news from the league, i.e. Sky Blue naming Freya Coom as head coach moving forward, and Rain FC announcing a press conference to give us updates about uh, the potential merger buyout, however you want to call that, with Leon. Anyway, hope you enjoy. All right, Jen Cooper, the keeper here with Dan LaLetta from Equalizer Soccer, um, my favorite soccer grumpus. But we're not going to be very grumpy today, right, Dan? We're not. Well, okay, maybe a little. But but end of the year, a lot of people do that kind of wrap-up year kind of thing, and, and, and I tend to resist those. But I feel like we're at such an interesting juncture, and I keep using that word over and over, um, for women's soccer and also women's pro soccer in the U.S. that I I did kind of want to do like a look back and a look forward. But I know something that frustrates me, and it probably frustrates you too, is we tend to get one of two narratives with women's soccer. We either get the sky is falling because the league has failed, or oh my God, the women have won the World Cup and women's soccer is growing and growing and growing. And they're both true and they're both false, you know, and I, I want a, a more practical narrative. Um, I, I think too about, you know, we've seen a lot over the last year and a half of, you know, this, this, these two clubs played a match in Italy and they had 60,000 people or, you know, the game at Wembley between England and Germany had 77,000 people. It's like, so that makes a headline but it doesn't necessarily feed the health of, you know, the FAWSL, which is still averaging maybe a thousand people, you know, a game. So there's this like they cover the highest highs. And we've even seen that, uh, you know, the promoters of these games will throw out a lot of free tickets to get that higher number. Right. You know, like they told us Wembley was sold out and then like it was 13,000 short of being full. You know, so you get these highest highs and then the negatives every now and then. But but what's the truth, Dan? Well, first of all, Jen, it's the holiday season. <laughs> I think it was last year at this time I took my kid to see the Grinch. So I mean, we can we can be a little bit 
a little bit okay. grumpy. Okay, we, we can but be grinchy. Okay, we can, can be grinchy. Can, can we say that great things happened in 2019, but it wasn't a great year? Is that fair? Oh, I like that. Tell me more about that. Well, obviously the World Cup was great. And, you know, I didn't think this World Cup would measure up to the 2015 World Cup. And I think I was wrong about that. I think this World Cup actually resonated with more people, maybe for reasons beyond soccer. But I think this World Cup resonated with more people. I think things like the Audi Field Games for the Spirit and the Timber setting the new single game attendance mark and Sam Kerr breaking her own mark for... Dan said Timbers. Sorry. Oh, my goodness. The Thorns. <laughs> um, we, I was just discussing the Timbers with somebody, so I apologize yeah. for that. Uh, the Thorns at the single game attendance mark. Um, you know, the soccer was good. Sam Kerr was great. All those things were wonderful, but we're sitting here in December now, and it's like, well, what is the actual benefit of that? We're, we got this league that came up with these rules that they're going to pay more players, but they can't seem to decide whether they're expanding or not, and the season starts in four months, give or take, and there are still two teams that don't have season tickets on sale for 2020. So in order to make 2019 a great year with you know for for the scope of the game at large there needs to be a little bit of momentum taken from that and this is now the second straight off season where we're just sitting here waiting for something to happen and it feels like waiting for a lot of things to happen right waiting for a lot of things to happen and it feels like the people running the league they don't want to tell you anything unless they can tell you everything i think i've said that on your on your show before i kind of equated i said this on our equalizer wrap-up podcast it's kind of like if you're doing a science project and you think you have the best science project in the class so much so that you don't tell any of your friends what it's about you just want to unveil it at the science fair and that works because you only need to have that project available at the science fair but this is a business that runs whether we like it or not 365 days a year you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can't cut off your customers from information for this long a period of time. And we're, of course, talking about the NWSL. U.S. soccer is a whole other uh, ball of wax because they're obviously, right, right. you know, we won, they won the World Cup. They hired who everybody thinks is the best coach, but they're embroiled in all these legal battles. And are they going to pay the women players more money? You know, is it you know, should they be not, you know, should they be giving them the money that they're paying lawyers to try to not pay the money? So, and that's, uh, and that's a that's whole a other different. ball of wax. So we're, we're focusing on Wosa Pro. Okay. Well, then I go back to, you can't cut your customers off from the, from information for this long a period of time. And maybe there are legitimate reasons and things that you're waiting on, but you've got to be more proactive about it. Like, I don't get how Sky Blue now has a venue and still doesn't have season tickets on sale. I don't get how the rain make an announcement that they are in negotiations to sell their club to Lyon, and the league hasn't acknowledged it yet, and they still don't have season tickets on sale. And, oh, by the way, neither team has a head coach. Oh, yeah. Neither team has a head coach. Well, I, I think the league not a, a, acknowledging it is is kind of the most telling part um, that – I think we're still dealing with the separation of the league from A&E uh, early last spring, where that ended up hemorrhaging a lot of people that were 
kind of working the NWSL media office side. That's, you know, the, the office that was based in or still based in, in, in New York. Um, like, like, you know, they lost warm bodies. They lost good, smart, warm bodies. Right. And those people weren't replaced. And I mean, historically, the leagues are always been understaffed. Um, and, and it, it seemed like it was an up, upward tick the last few years, and then this year kind of stalled. And and I think that's our counter narrative to, oh, it's Women's World Cup. It was such an incredible year. Twenty is an amazing year. It's it's like it was an amazing tournament. The league was not in a position to take advantage of it. Well, they did announce Budweiser as a sponsor at what two o'clock in the morning, I think, Eastern time. Yeah. The night before the uh, World Cup, and they weekend. announced yeah, on a the holiday TV, weekend. The TV schedule on July 4th at, at an odd hour yeah. of the day, because that's what everyone does on July 4th, right? They sit around and wait for leagues to drop national TV broadcast news on 4th <laughs> of July. It's fine. I didn't, you know, I didn't even realize it was 4th of July for like a month because I was in France. And right. It just didn't occur to me. And there's things every few days. You're not, you're not thinking about, yeah, exactly. you're not thinking about holidays. Um, but, you know, the other thing is that U.S. soccer and the NWSL, their relationship is going to evolve in some way, shape, or form. And Caitlin Murray on Yahoo wrote a pretty good uh, piece about it, at least as good as we're going to get at the moment, about, you know, U.S. soccer doesn't really like the way NWSL wants to handle it, and NWSL doesn't like the way U.S. soccer wants to handle it. And I think that's a majority of the holdup on news right now. Right. Is that nobody knows exactly what the financial structure of the league is going to look like going forward, but that would be like... You know, if you know if the NFL's collective bargaining agreement, which I think is up after the 2020 season, so nothing ever happens after 2020. Like you don't give out any information after 2020 because you're waiting on a collective bargaining agreement. Like don't sell any tickets, don't sell any merchandise, don't award that stuff because there's a collective bargaining agreement to work out, and that kind of seems like where we're at. And that's a big deal. It is a very big deal because there's got to be an end game in sight. Both sides seem to know it, but they don't seem uh, like they know how to get there or that they can agree on how to get there. Um, so that's another thing on top of the A&E uh, breakup, which was, what, February, I think, when that was announced? Late February, right. Yeah. There's no national TV announcement for 2020. Um, I guess officially no, there's know, no streaming deal for 2020, so nobody really knows anything about 2020. So at least we know for, for TV streaming, it's one package, and we know Octagon Sports was hired a few months ago to sell that. Correct. So that, that's a better position than the league has generally been, where it seems like it's been done internally. You know, Again, we don't get a lot of information about that. But it's like here, it's like, okay, reputable firm, selling it out there, you know, trying, trying to get a home for that, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's a great time to be peddling that, right. You know, following the 2019 women's world cup and, you know, the bigger attendances, uh, you know, for NWSL and, and speaking of attendance, let's, let's review some of the highlights that, that you mentioned, um, you know, not only the thorn setting a new record, but Hey, for the first time, two clubs averaging more than 10,000, you know, um, for the season. Yep, every, and, every team was up this year. Yeah. Over the previous year. I still think the most impressive single game number of the season was the Spirit second game 
Yes. 17 plus. They did 19 for the first one, but that's, I want to say it's easy, but you can sell that as an event. Everybody I've ever spoken to tells me that the hardest game to sell in the season is game two. It's usually bad weather right. in the school year, and you put so much effort into game one. And especially if game two is like the next weekend, it's almost impossible to get people there. So for the spirit, because it was consecutive home games, I don't think it was back-to-back weeks. It was Not back-to-back weeks back apart. weekends, but consecutive home games. And they got During 17 the for the second one. And, you know, I didn't go to either game, but those were legitimate, like, wow, let me stop and see what's going on here, crowds. Yeah, yeah, not 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 papered seats, but actually bodies, butts in seats. Right, because when know. Sky Blue got there, 5,000 plus, I was at that game, and all credit to them for getting the 5,000. This was the Yursak game. The Red Bull games uh, were much more lively than this particular game at Yursak, but I almost got the feeling like people were there, but they were just kind of checking it out. And they weren't, like, necessarily there to cheer yet. You know, like, they needed to be, almost have it proven to them that... They weren't sure what it was. was. Right. (laughs) They were just, you know, it was was a very odd dynamic in the building that night to me. And a few other people may or may not have agreed. That's what I heard about England-Germany from a friend who attended the game at Wembley that... You know, 77,000 people, but he said at some points it was so quiet he didn't want to talk to the person next to him because he didn't want the whole stadium to hear what he was saying. (laughs) Now, when they were into it, he's like, the place got really loud, but it didn't quite yet have the ambiance of, like, a men's game in the U.K. where, you know, the crowd noise, it's constant. Right, and that wasn't the case for those Spirit games. And like I said, the Red Bull games for Sky Blue were a lot better atmosphere than that one sold-out or almost sold-out game at Yurzak. Well, and I loved when I I checked the attendance averages for for the Almanac that this, um, you know, now they have a higher average than even, I think, the first season um, of WSA. That does not sound right to me, but I will take or, your word or maybe, for it. Or maybe, it, it yeah, I have to go back. At, like it was either because when I was doing the averages, I was like, "How does this rate against WSA?" Because you know, you and I, at least as old farts, remember <laughs> those larger crowds. You know, and and, and so it's like, hey, so I think I think now it's it must be two thousand one is the is now the only season that has a higher average attendance than than this current season. Okay, that makes be, more sense. That. Yeah, yeah, but it, but it's like that. That's a lot of progress, you know. Um, and I and I love you know looking ahead that you've got Sky Blue moving into Red Bull Arena. Um, I I I think the spirit is being really proactive and and creative and going, hey, we're going to do four 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 at the Plex, four at Audi Field, and four at the the practice facility that uh yeah the dc united is building um or or has already built that's you know where they're they're division i wonder why they don't just split it between the plex and audi but it looks like they're moving toward playing at audi field and right you know if they get 10 years after that happens we probably will barely remember that they had this odd step in between and it, and it, I know it. It's probably sounds weird to to fans, but you know sometimes you have that 
you do have that awkward transition. I, I so clearly remember, because it was one of the first years of the Dynamo, that Kansas City spent a season like at the baseball field. Yeah, I think um, two. That was when they, yeah. they could they didn't want to play at Arrowhead anymore and they were building Yeah, they um, were between, whatever they call yeah. the Children's Mercy Park now, I think. Yeah, they were between venues, you know, and so it was And they awkward, they packed it every week too, but yeah. it, it was like eight or nine thousand people. Yeah, it was a very it was a very weird setup. You know, but hey, it's 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 a transition or <laughs> Or poor DC United last year having to play at the Plex um, because Audi Field hadn't opened yet and they could no longer play at RFK. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was two years. Yeah, in 2018. Yeah, that was yeah. like the first. There hadn't been an MLS game with sub 10,000 attendance in like three years. And that. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that like, broke hey, that streak. That's, that's our only option. Yeah. And let's also keep in mind that Kansas City, if we're talking Major League Soccer, they are the only team that has kind of successfully transitioned from an original team that predates all this expansion hoopla to a team that, if you watch them now, looks like a modern team. Like all the other original teams, they have various degrees of success. Mm-hmm. But Kansas City is the one that kind of transforms itself from a team that was getting like six, 7,000 a game to – you know, they've tailed off a little bit, but when they were winning MLS Cup a few years ago, you could barely get a seat at uh, at that place. Have you been? So, to and they did the awkward trend. I haven't. I was there. I was in that city three times in about a year and a half period, and it was either off season or they weren't there. And I actually got invited there for a game and then couldn't go, but I've heard it's spectacular. It's so well designed. I mean, that you've got a pub in there, every seat's a good seat. Um, when I was and they in the come down box. so low. I, I remember talking to Sky Blue people because Sky Blue played there opening uh-huh. night in, it was in the Gabara era, so it had to be maybe 2015, and he was so impressed with everything there. Well, even the the little details that the bathrooms in the press box, you know, that have the the male and female signs, each person on the sign had a soccer ball at their foot. There you, you go. Know, and that you could, there were s- screens installed somewhere where you could order a jersey, a custom jersey, and at the end of the game, you could go pick it up from the store. Uh, and I didn't hear that. That is pretty cool. Yeah, so... Yeah, that's what we're looking forward to for the, for the next, um, you know, Woso Stadium. But, but bottom, li- bottom line, you know, like, I, I feel like all of our teams have made progress. And one thing that I don't think it's pointed out very much um, is we're now down to only one team playing on turf. Which is ironic who it is, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, of course it's it, it's Portland, and every now and then there will I'll, I'll see something on on Twitter or Reddit. You know, a, a Portland fan will say, "Hey, why don't we get any U.S. Women's National Team games here?" It's like uh, because they put in the CBA that they do not play on turf. You know, yep. and I'm not saying that the field at Providence Park isn't a really nice level of turf, but you know, in in a player's mind, turf is turf. You know, and and I know why the Pacific Northwest has to has to have turf. You know, the, the the Sounders have it at their downtown Seattle stadium. You know, Memorial Stadium had it. Um, you Wait, know, isn't and, there like and, some and sort of the issue with you know rain and, and the grass getting torn up at Cheney Stadium at Tacoma? But it but it's like bottom line, you know, it's it's, it's like I, I I do think that says 
kind of a level of professionalism that but you know, and, and, and the strides that the league has made to get better venues. Yeah, isn't there like some sort of underground water source that runs underneath Providence Park, so it would be harder there to put in grass because the drainage would be an issue. It would be like the anti-wake med in North Carolina, which, as we know, is famous <laughs> for its drainage. Um, but, but, but Providence Park was grass. When, when it was used that? to be grass when it was a baseball stadium. Well, I mean, I. I don't, that, I don't think baseball um, wears out the grass quite the same, though. Right, right. But I'm, but I'm saying so, it, I don't know. That, 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 that was a grass field. It was grass for the 2002 WSA All Star Game and the 2003 Women's World Cup. But right. if you have three teams playing on it, so you've got Timbers, Timbers Two, Thorns, that's not practical. Uh, you know, given right the, with the constant running, sport. whereas base, right. baseball you don't have constant running, and the right. way you do most of the running in baseball is on dirt. Right. So it's it's like I I understand when you've got three competitive teams playing in that same facility, you know, it, you kind of need to make it turf, and because it's turf, then the Thorns are able to use it as their practice facility, right? Because yep, it's not gonna it's not gonna tear it up. But but anyway, I I feel like that is something that needs to be mentioned. It's like only one team play on turf. That's huge because we think back to some of the games that we've seen on turf. You know, some of the teams right. that were stuck on some pretty bad turf, you know, it's like. And you know what, as a, New, as a New Yorker, I, I go back to the Metro Stars at Giant Stadium when they would start the season on basic, decent turf. And then when the NFL season started, they would literally play on the old school AstroTurf. Ouch. Why? I mean, that's because the Jets and Giants played there and that's what they were going to play on until they decided to go with, I don't know exactly what the service is now, but for at least three or four years, if you go back and watch the first playoff game they ever had there in 96, it ended on a Peter Vermees, um, one of those old school shootout things where they did it from 35 yards out. He actually shot after the goalie because he was hurt in the game, and he won it for them in a rainstorm on AstroTurf. But check it out. It is the most aesthetically <laughs> displeasing soccer you'll ever see in your life. I mean, it, it was bad. Aesthetically displeasing. And now look at MLS. They, get, they, they award an MLS team every week. <laughs> We, you know, and WSL doesn't want to expand, and MLS like, yeah, we're another team, sure, let's go. So, are you saying that Don Garber should be NWSL commissioner? Um, he maybe should be in charge of the expansion committee, or something <laughs> like that. I, you know what? I, I I have my issues with Don Garber, but I've said this so many times before. When you listen to Don Garber speak, you believe in Major League Soccer. Who yes. speaks for the? Who has ever spoken? For the NWSL that made you believe. Maybe Merritt Paulson's Twitter account, which might be starting a rebirth, but has been kind of offline for a year and change. Who who else? Who speaks for the league and makes you believe in it? As opposed to avoiding speaking for the league where, you know, we know Amanda Duffy was in attendance at that big, uh, you know, Chicago game in the summer that got, what, 17,000? Yeah, standalone you know, seventeen thousand. You know, and didn't, you know, didn't talk to the media. 
Nope, and didn't go on the uh, the live stream at halftime, or even, I don't know if it was a stream game or a TV game, but whatever no, it was, TV, I don't think yeah. she was on it. No, 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 she wasn't. And you know, she was at North Carolina when they got their uh, when they were awarded the shield. Um, I guess it would have been their final regular season game. Didn't talk to media. Yeah, and I know there. You know, I've heard people say, "Well, she shouldn't have to talk to the media just because she shows up at a game." I understand that. I'm fine with that. Like, just because she's there. Those are both newsworthy. Those are both totally newsworthy. But she should want to speak to the media. Yeah. At these things, like she should be going in there saying, "What am I going to say this time?" Because I've got something good to say. Those those are both great ones where it's like, "Here's this club that's won the shield," and "Hey, look at this Chicago setting a new record," and it's not a doubleheader. Like that's. You know, absolutely. Yeah, but let's let's get off attendance and, and venues and 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 let's. Well, hold on, talk. hold on one second. Okay. Hold on before we get off attendance and venues. Though I think we're gonna, I think fans are gonna be disappointed by the April May numbers because again, momentum is stunted here. So I just want to yes. say that on the record, you're gonna because I've been reviewing some games from before the World Cup. And like the spirit, we're getting 2,100. Sky Blue might have had a couple of games sub 2,000. Just because you play in Red Bull doesn't mean people are just going to flock to your games. You, know, you got to actually sell those tickets. Well, so and, I think and, and there will be there will be increases that we don't necessarily see from the outside, but the organization sees. So like the teams that are selling season tickets right now, you know, like our, the renewal rates could be higher. We might not see that. And we might not even see that in April, but that's something that internally, it's like, that's a great thing for a club financially and to be able to tell sponsors and, you know, like those, those, those kind of metrics that aren't as easily visible. Yep. Yeah. But, but so let's, let's talk expansion, what we know and what we don't know. We know, we know Louisville 2021 that, that, that got announced I, I think that's, you know, a, a great location. It's kind of hitting a region that doesn't have any, uh, you know, women's teams around it. You know, um, that, that'll be a nice the, shorter travel for, you know, Chicago, Houston, Florida. Go on know. the Louisville City USL site and find me all the links you can to the women's team. Because I Are was there on none? there recently and couldn't find any. Doesn't know, I, Me not being able to find them doesn't mean they don't exist. <laughs> but it means that they're that they're not uh, suitably accessible for someone of my um, online abilities. Yeah, uh, and that's something too. Like uh, you know, I would want more on the on the league site as well, right? That that even if you don't have a logo, you have a coming in twenty twenty one or just you know that that yep. that kind of movement. But so you know, we've all been holding our breath for the last several weeks, you know. I think, you know, we, we've we've heard off and on all year, right, that there was going to be some expansion in 2020, you know. Um, Three and, teams, one team, no teams. Yeah, so, and it makes sense to have one team added for 2020 so you can hit that 10-game, 10 10-team 10 size, which means you don't have, nobody has to have a buy. It makes your scheduling so much easier. It means you can play the same number of games in actually a shorter period without anybody having a cramped schedule, I think, which is really key as we're going into an Olympic uh, year. And of course the league has said nothing about what it's going to, how they're going to deal with the Olympics. Are they going to do what they did in 2016, take a month off or not? 
Uh, are they going to go to a re- reduced schedule? I'm assuming they're not seeing that the Spirit are selling, you know, 12 home games. So that, yeah, that, I think that they're going to stick, stick with, with 24. 24. Yeah. And, I mean, Which last time they... Teams, then then that, that at least everybody, you play everybody the same number of times. But, yeah, there's there's so many question marks. Well, last time they got so excited about the World Cup bump from 15 that they had a crazy backloaded schedule after the Olympics right. in 2016, and it sort of worked. Um, but there was actually an even number of teams that year, but they still played a lot of weeknight Mid-week. games. So, yeah. yeah, I'm not, that, I'm not that sure. That was a really cramped schedule coming back after the 2016 Olympics. Yeah, it was, and it was not. It was not great, but I, you know, they and they did get a little bump. Not like nothing like 2015, but they got a little bit. But yeah, I don't know how they're going to handle it. Um, you know, I mean, Sacramento is the, you know, is the buzzword around the league right now. Are they in? Are they out? And I mean, we reported at Equalizer, might have been two months ago now, that they were ready to join. And um, you know, it might not happen, but we stand by the reporting that they were like literally down to signatures ready to join the league and i don't know if it's hold up with u.s soccer negotiations i've heard various things but i mean it you know nobody is talking right now and it doesn't seem totally dead which seems absurd it seems stalled the draft is less than a month away now yeah and, you know maybe they stalled. go to 21 i mean i don't think 9 to 12 you know, like, you know, Louisville is in, I guess, for 21, though we literally have not heard boo about that since they made the announcement. To your point, by the way, we're talking Tuesday. MLS announced Charlotte at 10 Eastern this morning and had a logo up. I was on there maybe noon, and they already had a, not a logo, but a link to a Charlotte temp site. Um, NWSL doesn't have that. Um, I don't even know how you would know that Louisville's in the league in 2021 if, if you don't remember right. the announcement. If you, um, if you don't know, you don't know. There's no right, way you're going to accidentally learn. Exactly. Yeah. So if they come in in 21, Sacramento comes in, maybe somebody else comes in. I don't know. Do you really want to go from 9 to 12? Sounds kind of drastic. But, I mean, I'm just tired of hearing about how many groups are interested. Back to the Jeff Plush era. You know, yeah, we have double-digit groups that are really interested in coming in. And I, I mean, I don't, like, yeah, I, don't, and? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> And teams are, you know, I mean, I'm, there's got to be trades done. That, that to me is, is the the most stressful, I would think, for, for the staff and the most worrisome as a fan is we know that expansion or non-expansion, it has to be decided and announced now because either you have an expansion draft and teams execute trades and different things or – there's no expansion this year. You don't have that, and and teams are looking at other players. I mean, it it affects everyone because you know any team with more than two national team players, if there's an expansion draft, they can only protect two. So of course right. they're going to try think. to trade. You're going to try to trade your other ones so that you lose them for no value. People without more than two are, are looking for, you know, are looking for those players. Um, they can close your trade window too, though. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we've seen this before, um, even though we didn't realize it at the time, but, you know, the, like December, 2017 was really slow uh, because apparently Boston was for sale 
So like uh, everything was kind of frozen there. And then boom, draft day 2018, like we were, all those trades were finally coming through, you know. Um, and Boston drafted players the night then, after the organization fell apart. Yeah. Um, so and then last year, I think it was more because the rosters expanded that people didn't feel the need necessarily to make a lot of trades because a right. lot of people told me there wasn't a lot of discussion, but I can't imagine that there haven't been trades agreed to right now. But, you know, again, the value of the draft pick is a lot different if there's an extra team in the mix. You know, if you're three deep and you have the fourth pick or the third pick and you're suddenly going to have the fourth pick and you think there's three super difference makers and then down to you, that's kind of a tough deal. Plus, the other thing is that, and this is something that I just think the league needs to tweak a rule on, but they allow you up until, what, a day and a half before the draft to declare? So right. was it uh, Andy Sullivan a few years ago? Didn't declare till the end, so they kept releasing the list in dribs and drabs, which I don't get. And everyone's like, oh, my goodness, Andy Sullivan's on the list. Well, who cares? It's not a full list. Deadline hasn't come yet, so it doesn't matter that she's not on the list. But that impacts teams' ability to, again, make trades. So why not make the deadline the end of December? And then that gives everybody a couple of weeks knowing, and you know, teams and media and fans, a good couple of weeks to know who's available and who might get traded and just make, just make things that much easier on everybody. The NHL, yeah. by the way, has expansion coming in the fall of 2021, and they already have the mechanisms in place for the expansion draft. Yeah, but isn't that league like 200 years old? Well, not <laughs> it's older, but the point is it's possible to actually plan ahead plan these things in, in advance. I mean, I get yeah. it, NWSL is in a different world than the NHL, but but, yeah, but, I mean, but that's not that's not a good, good excuse. I mean, I'm I'm joking, but it, but it says something when one of your coaches is tweeting, "Please let us know we have trades." Yeah. You know what else, too? Is just a random thought. One of the players in this league, the NWSL, is probably one of the ten most prominent faces of the year, sports or otherwise, and is everywhere. And I feel like it's a missed opportunity that the league is not letting people know that their player, Megan Rapino, is is everywhere. Yeah. Right. I mean, is she not a top ten personality? If not, and maybe I'm underselling a top ten. Right. If you look at all the personalities in the country in 2010, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, 2019, is she not in the top ten? Right. Not because, five. Because she's she. I mean, she's always been a name on the team, you know, for the last decade or so. But she reached a new level this year, where there are going to be people <clears throat> that don't follow soccer that know her name. Exactly. And I get that she is that she is where she is because of the national team. But she hasn't been shy at times about mentioning the rain and the NWSL. But, you know, maybe somebody could actually be just doing a little bit of a better job making that connection to people. Right. Right. You know, well, we're still waiting, right, for a a VP of brand management that we were promised last year who one got hired. Oh, we had one. Quickly. Yeah, yeah, but we had one. Yeah. But, so. Yeah, that didn't go so well. Yeah. So we we need another one. Because there's the Budweiser two a.m. and brand to manage Dan, and no one's managing it. The two a.m. Budweiser announcement uh, came on that watch. <laughs> I might. Have. You're going to be saying I mean, that on your deathbed. You're going to be. But I remember in 2019. Oh my god! I totally am. 
<laughs> and the Budweiser thing hasn't been that big of a deal. I mean, there's not really, I don't feel like there's a lot of Budweiser um, out there necessarily. Like, yeah, they did the MV, the Budweiser MVP or whatever, but. Weren't, and they were supposed to do a fan of the year, and that didn't happen. Supporter of the year, Jen. Supporter of oh, the sorry. year. But yes, right. I know. As far as the, unless maybe it happened, we don't know about it, but that is. That well, is and, and I'm still a little annoyed that Budweiser sponsored Men in Blazers and not Wosico, but hey. That's valid. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so I did notice um, at the final in one of my pictures from my photographers, a picture of Steve Malik holding a Budweiser can that had Endibusel branding on it. Interesting. Are those available or did he just, well, they I, just I, like, did he just happen to get a couple? I, I don't know because obviously I'm, I was seeing it as a picture after the fact. And since I was working up in the booth, I didn't get to wander around like I normally do at games and check out all the merch and concessions. Right. <laughs> that was so hard for me to like not go down and, you know, that's usually where I like to be is checking out that stuff. But it was a good day to sell Budweiser too, because I and many other people who traveled uh, traveled as if it was going to be regular weather, and I ran out of short sleeve clothes and for game day, and it was about what three hundred and twenty six degrees Fahrenheit that day. And we all thought it was going to be pouring and kind of cold. Yes, and it that was, too. It was like crazy sunny, humid. Yep. It looked gorgeous in the photos, but it's like what? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was actually a fine day if you were prepared for it, but I did yeah, not go you, yeah. there prepared. I, yeah. Bad bad job by me. Well, last last angle for our conversation, Dan, what what's got to happen? What needs to happen if Dan Laletta is commissioner for for 2020? Huh. What what what's on your your short list? Wow. Um Wow, I guess I should be more prepared to answer that than it kind of sounds like I am. Um, <laughs> well, I threw that. I threw that one at you. You didn't know that one was coming. I no, it's good. It's good. Um, I I think that uh, this is probably not the most important job for the commissioner because the commissioner probably has things to do that I don't even know about. But I think. I'll give you two things. One is make, figure out how to make this a 12 month a year business, right? Yeah. You don't, you're not going to get the winter meetings like in baseball. You're not going to have a combine where everybody goes like the NFL and you're watching guys do 40 yard dashes on the NFL network. <laughs> like, what is that all about? But figure it out. Like this is what we can do in December, whether there are trades or whether there aren't trades, you know, let's, you know, let's make some, whatever we have to do to make sure that the league stays somewhat prominent for the entirety of the 12 months. Um, and I would like to see a little bit more promotion of the players, you know, as a media person. And I know that the last thing anybody wants to hear are complaints from the media, but I can count on one hand the number of times I've gotten a call or an email from a team and said, hey, you know what? This person's got a really interesting story if you'd like to tell it. It doesn't happen, and you need to have more of these stories told. Uh, right. So those are things that I think are really, really important. And also a little bit more transparency. You know, the Royals announced, what was it, Barnhart, Gunny, and Taylor Lytle all resigned for 2020. Mm-hmm. And a few of us privately said, I wonder if Barnhart or Gunny got any allocation money out of that deal. But, of course, per league and team 
policy, um, you know, terms are not disclosed. No. Yeah. So I wonder, like, are we going to know when allocation money gets spent? And I, I you know, small things like that that I don't understand what is in it for anybody to keep that information private. You know, information is what drives entertainment, and um, we need a little bit more of it. I'm not saying that you just, you know, that you're totally open about every single thing that happens, but yeah, a little bit more information and figure out a ca- some sort of calendar to keep to keep things consistent. And along those lines, pick a weekend and make that your final. Every year, make a five-year, ten-year commitment that, hey, last weekend of October is going to be the final. Right? I can tell you right now, first Sunday in February in five years, what am I going to be doing? Most likely watching the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Exactly. So, you know, it's a little easier for them. Uh, you know, the NFL has, you know, the first Super Bowl was like January 12th, I think. So it's not like it's been con- completely consistent forever. And they don't but, have to deal with international windows and, and all that stuff. Of but, course. But, of I, course. Get, but, but I get your point. But there's but, no but rhyme or reason the same to time. It. Yeah. And that it's more than just the game. And you and I have been talking about this for years. You know, oh, I and, forgot. And How could I not have said that first? Yes, absolutely. You know, and and that uh, you know, that's kind of why I started Wozico. You know, it's it, it's like people travel for these events. You and I know that, and I don't. I still don't think that gets acknowledged enough. You know, it's like do a film festival. You know, I I, I like that. You know, as much as I resent their sponsorship by Budweiser, I like that Men and Blazers said, "Hey, the final is happening in North Carolina. Let's do something." You know, that that make make it a whole weekend, but it's got to be advertised to the fans well enough in advance. And you know, and you do hotel packages and travel packages and make make sure there's a fan fest. Um, you went to the fan fest in two thousand two, right? in Atlanta for the WSA final. Did you go downtown for that? I'm sure that I did. I don't remember it specifically, but I was there for days. So I'm sure I was there. They had inflatables. They had players from teams that weren't in the final signing autographs. They had games, all kinds of stuff. And then they had air conditioned buses because this was August in Atlanta. That was, yeah, that was, that, that's what I remember from that is when I first got there going to, I went straight to a practice and I don't know that I've ever been that hot before in my life. I didn't even play. Air conditioned buses that took you to the stadium and they had on the buses video screens playing highlights of the 2002 season, which was yeah, awesome. Yeah. I mean, I remember '01. There was a huge pregame party and a huge postgame party, and I, you know, I understand that that's part of the reason why that league doesn't exist anymore. But at this point, there could be something, right? Where you yeah, it doesn't ha- it doesn't have to be you know elaborate. But but I guess my point is was more that it made it an event that you weren't just going to a game, but there was all this stuff, you know, around the game. And like I said, if you make it a weekend and it's, 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 it's the same time. And you know, that players from teams that didn't make the final will be there. And maybe there's an award ceremony for, you know, a public award ceremony reception, you know, that fans could buy tickets to and more merchandising opportunities. Um, and you put I, the I'm trophy sure on display remember. somewhere, and that gives yeah. you free advertising for the game. I'm sure you remember me bitching at the 2015 final that we were, what, 10 blocks from the Nike store in Portland? Yep. 
you know, and there was absolutely nothing in the Nike store acknowledging that this game was happening. You know, there was nothing thorns on sale in this store, you know, just like the whole. <laughs> and, well, and I had been I had been in Portland the previous year when the All-Star game was about to be in Portland and that Pioneer Square in downtown Portland. I mean, they had Bayern Munich's trophies and an Adidas, you know, sales shop set up and all kinds of fun stuff. And it, it's right. like, yeah, there are costs of these things, but that's what sponsors are for, right, Dan? And I thought this was the reason they started to put the game in a predetermined venue, but I'm starting to wonder why that decision was even made, unless it was just insurance against having to play the final at Swope or Yursac. <laughs> but I mean, because they well, really haven't done, they really yeah. haven't done a lot, a lot with it at all. And yeah, they're, in the draft coming up, you know the convention. I mean, the, you know the draft is part of the coaches' convention, which is a huge. I mean, that can literally, you know, certain cities that literally takes over the city. Yeah. But you know, and and the women are just a very small part of it. But you could have something down there too, maybe in car. You know, again, hotel yeah. packages if if supporters want to come in because it's a great time to meet people and chat with people. You know, whether you're uh, covering the event or not, there's soccer people all over the place. Well, and I think part of the the final at a predetermined venue also came along with the like hey it's something we can award to people right like uh, um you know utah told me that first year that that was that was one of the things on the negotiating table is you know we'll we'll come in you know we'll do this immediately for 2018 if we get xyz and one of the things at one point was we host the final but that was one of the few things that they that they yeah, we all thought they were going to get it in 2019, but I, yeah, I have a feeling the Courage got it as kind of a payback for missing the semifinal. So maybe Utah, yeah. Utah or higher seed, I would think, in 2020. By the way, as we've been chatting, Sky Blue now has a head coach, Freya Kumba, who was the interim at the end of last season. Is now I think it's Kumba. I, th- I Coom? think it's Kumba. Yeah. Okay. But I but I do like Kumba. That could be a really fun chant. So congratulations, Freya. Awesome. Yeah, she. Um, I mean, it's hard to say how she did for the last month, but um, yeah, good job. And then that means- we're down to one or two if there's expansion. But yep, Ray now need a head coach and season tickets. Yeah, that that means we're 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 maintaining more than than one female head coach. That's good. That is correct. Yeah, It'd be interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, we, we saw a, a nice little kind of lift from from Sky Blue towards the end, but that's a whole other conversation. Well, well, Dan, I I agree with you that like they got to get their name out there, NWSL. I mean, I, I figure if I were commissioner, it's not something that I could do, but I would hire, you know brand manager and you know more communications people and, and say your one goal is to get this league mentioned in as many outlets as possible and in many different kinds of media as possible as often as possible that's that that's all that's all you're doing it's like how do we get people talking tweeting posting you know writing in what like like, like that's all it is and and i i think this is something that you and i have have bitched about for years and many other people who try to cover the game have too it's like players need to be available stories need to be pushed you know i think you've said this before that not once has anybody reached out to you saying hey this would be a great story would you like to talk to x 
right? You yep. Know? I mean, I and wouldn't even, say not even, once, but maybe maybe not twice. <laughs> you know, and even you know, even negative stuff, it's it's like fine if the player wants to say no comment. That that's fine, but you know, don't you know, don't shutter everything and run away. It's it's like even bad press is press. You know, um, for the most as, part, as we saw as we saw with you know, Wall Street Journal covering Sky Blue's woes last year. You know, it's, it's like definitely hit an awareness level. That Absolutely. So, so, yeah, so that's, yeah. That's what I would do if I were commissioner. And I'm sure um, that once I got in the office, there would be about 80 things that would hit me that I had no idea were going on. <laughs> and I would, and part of those, I'd be like, yeah. Talk about. Half those, it would be an obvious, yeah, let's do this. And half those would be like, oh, so that's why this happens all the time. Right, right, right. And so so we're basically a month from the draft. I'm thinking expansion's not happening, right? I mean, we're just... We're just at a really weird place, but I, mean, I thought that in September, and then I was told it was absolutely happening. The fact that I, the fact that no one has acknowledged that it's not happening, leads me to believe there's still a chance of it happening. But how many years in a row have we gotten here and said, "Well, I guess expansion's not happening"? Like it's really an old, just tired old narrative, is it not? Yeah, and and we've never had expansion happen this late. We have had. Obviously, Boston fold and Western New York Flash move to North Carolina, but we've never had right. an addition of a team later than December 12th. So, and even that was kind of insane. Um, so, yeah, I just, I, I feel like we're kind of standing on this precipice of 2020 and like, all right, are we ready to dive in? Like, we can't tell. Is the water hot, cold? We don't know if it's deep enough. We could yeah, get killed totally. diving and, you know, in. I know Randy Waldrum went to his um, Houston Dash grave uh, complaining that they didn't have enough time to get that team ready. But let's not forget, they got the number two pick and Whitney Engen for free. And there's no there's no equivalent of Whitney Engen coming now. Well, though, though, let me qualify that as they got her halfway through the season. Right. But that but that could be the case for a number of players if they come. I mean, now, yeah, yeah, she had to finish where I forget where she no. was. Sweden. No, but. no, that, that's that's a good point. It's like, yeah, there is no player to allocate, really. Right. Unless it's Haley Mace. But, you know, and I don't even know if she'd be, you know, free to free to allocate like that. Well, and, and let me just throw one bone back at you. But like, why wouldn't the dash? Why didn't the dash have the number one pick? Um, if you want, I, you might know more about this than me, but I, I think the reason, honestly, is that Crystal Dunn was way too good. And the Spirit were like, whoa, we had the worst record in the league. We've been sitting on this Crystal Dunn pick right, you know, for right, two months. But, you're not, you're not but, taking Crystal Dunn from us. But, but why do they get to choose that? I mean, like, it, it, in NFL, if, 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 you're, if your bottom basement team is waiting for the number one pick and then a new team comes in... The bottom because basement the new, team doesn't get, doesn't get to go. Oh, I you know. No, but the new team yeah. wouldn't. But the new team wouldn't come in in March after the Super Bowl, and you've already been draft prepping specific to that season. Because that happened. I mean, the the Browns and the Texans both had the number one pick. Those are the most recent two expansion teams. Right. But everybody knew that going into the start of the previous season. Like I like like uh, here's so it's some, here's expectations. Here's something for you, Louisville. Ahead. 
Louisville's coming in in 21. How about before we kick a ball for the 2020 season? Everybody knows where Louisville is in the draft, so you can do all of your planning and trading around that inevitability. Ah. That's not even that difficult. I like that. I like that. Not even that difficult. Not even that difficult. And with that, we'll end this. But, Dan, as as always – Many thanks for, for taking the time to, to chat and get cranky with me um, and correct each other's facts and, and for all the great coverage you've done for Equalizer. You know, my real, my real goal is to be able to come on and not be cranky about anything. I think if everything, went, perfect, I think if everything went too well, you wouldn't invite me on anymore. But <laughs> I, I, my goal is to have, like, my goal is to come on again at this time next year and say all these things we wanted happen. This is great. All right. Well, well, I'll see you in, in uh, December 2020 then. I'll be there. All right. Time to wrap it up with the back four coming up. In January, on Thursday, January 16th, we've got the 2020 NWSL College Draft in Baltimore, Maryland. Yes, there will be a live stream, and it will be part of the United Soccer Coaches Annual Convention. Fans can attend for free. You can also watch online, of course. Um, So keep an eye on NWSLsoccer.com. And I'm thinking about maybe doing um, a trivia event later that night in Baltimore. So... Think about, think about putting that on your calendar. Also coming out very soon, I'm, I'm finishing up the last pages of the 2019 NWSL Almanac that has seven seasons worth of data all in one place and an amazing 350-page book with color photos from my Keeper Notes photographers. You can pre-order it now at KeeperNotes.com. And also something you want to buy maybe for yourself for Christmas tickets for Olympic qualifying. Olympic qualifying for CONCACAF starts in late January in Texas. The U.S. Women's National Team, they'll have their group games in Houston, Canada, and the other group, they'll have their group games down in South Texas. Semifinals and finals played in L.A. and tickets are now on sale. You can look at ussoccer.com for ticketing info. But if you're thinking of heading to Houston for one of the USA group games, you should be aware there's a great Dash ticket bundle. You can get the Dash 2020 home opener and any one of the U.S. Women's National Team games of your choice for one package with the price being either $37 or $57, depending on seating location. Call Dash ticket rep Jay Adelberg at 713-276-7529 for more info. And last, be sure to check out KeeperNotes.com as I've been adding more content, especially Woso Nerd content and galleries of photos from NWSL games and other fun things. And that's also where you can go, like I mentioned, to order the Keeper Notes Almanac. All right, that's it for this episode of The Mix Zone. Thanks, as always, to everyone for listening and many, many thanks to my producer, Sean, for putting this all together all year. But now she's everybody's good.